Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Namaste, yogis. This is Andrew Seeley here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. Get ready to drop into the passion of Kumi Yogini, a yoga teacher and humble owner of Veda Studios in Culver City, California. Her deep-rooted practice started with a profound passion for the simplicity of breath. When Kumi first started practicing yoga, her path drew her closer to finding the skills needed to open her now-thriving studio by working for the already very successful Core Power Yoga. I still have insecurities about my voice and how I sound, what I'm saying. Like that never, that has never gone away since day one. But it's knowing that I'm connected to something greater and that the yoga, regardless of how much we might make it about ourselves, the yoga is going to do its work and you're just a, a, a messenger. Find courage on the path as we strive for success. Stay true to your vision as Kumi shows us how to give nothing but your best on this insightful episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Get your giggles out now. Come on now. <laughs> this is Andrew Seeley here to welcome you guys to the Yoga Revealed podcast. And it brings me great honor and joy to be sitting across from the one and only Kumi Yogini. How are you? I'm doing really good. How are you, Andrew? I'm feeling great. It's another wonderful day. It's sunny outside. I'm sitting across from another beautiful yogi. And I'm just super excited to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, I'm super grateful to be here. And I'm honored that you have asked me to come and um, speak and share a little bit about my story. Oh, well, I've and about yoga. <laughs> yeah, for, for quite some time now. And I feel like, you know, everything happens in due time. And um, with this awesome retreat coming up and so many beautiful collaborations happening, I felt that it only was right to interview you now. All right. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> beautiful. Well, we'd like to reveal to the listeners first where you came from, how your yoga journey first began, and how yoga was first revealed to you. Okay. Well, uh, I was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. Wow. Um, just about 30 miles north of New Orleans in a small town called Mandeville. <laughs> Probably ne never heard of it. Mm -hmm. Most people haven't. Um, I escaped when I was 15. Escaped? <laughs> I escaped and ran away from home. Really? Yes. Wow, I would never see you as like the defiant running away type girl. Oh, yeah, I was a big rebel. Yeah? <laughs> big rebel, up to no good. Rebel without a cause, as they would say. Mm. But um, I uh, ended up in Colorado, and that's where I was first introduced to yoga. I took my first class at Bally's, and my teacher was in his 70s. He was in better shape than half the class. Wow. His name was Jim, 
and he sat in front of the yoga room with his reading material and he had tinctures and he lit a candle at Bally's. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Jim like, was no joke. This? Jim was no joke. And he was just like the sweetest soul I've ever met before. And immediately when I got on the mat, I didn't know what yoga was, but I knew that it was something that I wanted to try. And I don't know where I got this information, but I was like, it's probably healthy for body, mind, and spirit. You should try it. At least give it a chance. Mm-hmm. And so I went in not having any expectations, not knowing anything at all. And within you know, minutes of getting on the mat, I felt like I had found a practice that connected me, that I felt at home, I felt safe, and uh, connected with a part of myself that uh, was, you know, felt like missing for a long time. Mm. So it was like a reconnection or a reunion, which is interesting because that's actually what the word yoga means, to, to unite. Mm-hmm. And it was a coming back for me. That's beautiful. In that first stage of you going to this class, what actually motivated you to go to the yoga class? Or were you just drawn towards the yoga? And at this time around, how old were you? Was it right after you had ran away, you went to Bally's and you're like, I'm going to go do some yoga? No, this was many years later. I ran away when I was 15. Um, This was probably 21. I was Mm. in college. Uh, Maybe I had graduated. I'm not sure. I was in, yeah, I was in going to school for graphic design. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was it. I was working out at the gym, lifting weights, and I saw the yoga class on the schedule, but I had no idea what it was. So I was just more out of curiosity, more than anything, um, stepped into my first class. And after your first class, did you continuously go back? Every Saturday and Sunday at 1030. Yeah? So it actually <laughs> Hung over or not, I was making it to that yoga class. <laughs> And a really interesting thing happened. Um, I started going, you know, every Saturday and Sunday, I'd, you know, even if I would make it to the class, um, not getting enough sleep, too, you know, late, too much partying, this Mm -hmm. or that, it slowly made me want to come in earlier at night. So um, slowly but surely, I started, you know, oh, I got to go, guys. I got (laughs) to... Oh, why are you leaving? Oh, I just, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I knew that I I wanted to feel good for this yoga class. And it um, slowly but surely started, yeah, just turning my life into... um, uh, Healthier choices. What's that? You were making healthier choices. Healthier healthier choices and, yeah, craving the the healthier lifestyle and and the deeper connection. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. So... Within these first few classes, you already felt that transformation of actually wanting to dig a little deeper inside yourself. Um, With that beginning to happen, was there a phase that kind of switched within you that said, hey, maybe I should become a yoga teacher? Mm. Yes, I think that didn't actually come until um, a bit later. Uh, My gym, after a few months, he didn't show up for class one day. And mm. I found out after that he had a stroke. Aww. He was back teaching in two weeks. He had a slight speech impediment, but remembered everything about his experience. And he shared with the whole class um, what happened to him. He was at home by himself, and he felt um, the heart beating a little fast. And he wrote call 911 on a piece of paper. He walked over to his neighbor's house, and he said, My mantra was, stay with my breath. Mm. And I pictured my grandmother in a similar situation or even myself. And to have that sense of clarity and calm when you're you're feeling that much anxiety was a really powerful thing. And the way he spoke and um, the tone and with the speech impediment, it just, it brought tears to my eyes. Um, I got goosebumps all over my arms and legs. And I said, if yoga can give you this, um, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Hmm. So, so Jim made a huge impact on your life. Jim made a big impact. <laughs> wow. Then I went to the store and I bought a, uh, it wasn't a DVD, it was a VHS. We didn't have DVDs back then. <laughs> it's funny how you have to think about it nowadays. You're like, what was that called? That was a VHS. That large tape thing? <laughs> <laughs> and it was Brian Kest. He had a long hair and ponytail. Mm-hmm. And 
all the fitness videos that I had tried, abs of steel, other names, you know, like hardcore fitness videos, when you actually do them, they're not very hard. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, it said power yoga and it had this big, strong name. But I was thinking, but this is a video that you take at home, so it's probably not going to be that difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, much to my surprise, I could not get through the sequence, you know, five minutes without falling or flailing. And I was just, whoa, this is intense. <laughs> and I was immediately addicted. I started going, uh, waking up every morning and doing it in my apartment uh, every single day. And I was like, I'm going to be able to get through this whole sequence. And when I do then I'll be ready to go to a yoga studio. Mm. <laughs> so uh, I went to my first yoga studio and it was an Iyengar studio. And I love the practice of Iyengar, but it wasn't what I had used to and I didn't know that there were different styles of yoga. So when I went into the Iyengar, we held maybe, we did maybe two or three postures the whole hour. <laughs> and I was like, this isn't yoga. What? <laughs> yeah, you just um, came from power yoga. I just and came now straight from power. I didn't know there was anything else. <laughs> and I went and dabbled in different studios realizing, wow, there's so many different styles and different kinds of yoga, which mm -hmm. I didn't know. And uh, finally stumbled into a core power yoga. And at that time, there was only one. It was a few blocks from my house. And Where was they, it? Uh, Denver, Colorado. Wow. And they taught a heated vinyasa class. And I walked in. Dave Porter was my teacher. He was from South Africa. Beautiful accent and a beautiful man and a beautiful teaching. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, this is it. <laughs> you were attracted. <laughs> I was attracted. <laughs> That's awesome. And at the time when you were practicing at Core Power, did you feel more connected to the class in Core Power because you had already come from that power yoga background? Or was it something that was just kind of like new to you and it just happened to be hot yoga and it felt good? What was the thing that brought you to that class and actually kept you there? I think it was the heat, the music, the style, the power yoga, obviously the style I was very attracted to. And... Mm, and the teacher, you know, I think that having a great instructor is really important mm -hmm. to, to keep you coming back. And Dave was an, an incredible inspiration, uh, and taught me many lessons both on and off the mat. Um, he really shaped the future, the way that I saw yoga and what I saw myself doing with the, the practice. Mm. And yeah, I'm so grateful when I look back at, you know, there's so many teachers and to really find one that um, is able to nourish your, the seed and, you know, help it to, to bloom into something beautiful. I don't think that that would have happened without, without Dave Porter. Wow. So you'd been practicing with Dave Porter. You kind of had a little bit of dabbling in Iyengar yoga and at this time now, you're like, okay, I'm ready for a teacher training? Mm, yes, they were offering their first teacher training, but I wasn't considering it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dave, with his South African accent, said, my name was Jen at the time, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. Jen, darling, <laughs> have you thought about doing the teacher training? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I haven't. <laughs> haven't thought about it at all, actually. <laughs> then I went home, but he had already planted the seed, and I started thinking about it. And then I would take his class, and I would listen to the words and really observe his, you know, what the teachers were doing in the classes. And I'm like, okay, maybe I could do this. I think I could do this. This might actually be possible. And um, with his encouragement... Uh, I decided to sign up for the first teacher training and much meditation. I was very much on the fence. It wasn't like, oh, I want to do this. It took a little bit of uh, persuasion <laughs> and some motivation, a little healthy urging. Mm -hmm. But that's what good teachers and, are for. And not too, he didn't push too hard, but like, hey, meditate on it. 
feel if it's right. And I was like, wow, this is like a different kind of sales pitch than I've heard before. Um, and just the, the fact, the, in, in the invitation with um, not an expectation of, a, as, as, of an answer or a result to sign up really um, made me more attracted and want to do it. Mm-hmm. An invitation with an open mind, like, hey, this is an opportunity. Meditate on it and see if it might be a right fit for you. I like that. That's that's a great teacher right there. And it sounds like you actually took the first ever yoga teacher training from Core Power Yoga. I did. Wow. How was that? <laughs> Tell me about that experience. That was a lot of fun. We, uh, you know, I think that they were still in the process of figuring it all out. It was obviously their first one, mm-hmm. um, but they did a really good job. Uh, I would say that by the end of the teacher training experience, we were all able to teach uh, a sequence. <clears throat> Although when I had to, I actually, even though I was doing a teacher training, this is funny, I didn't think that we were actually learning to be teachers. I just thought we were gonna like learn more about yoga. <laughs> but I didn't actually take, t- take the training because I wanted to like be a yoga teacher like and standing up in front of people and speaking. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to deepen my knowledge and learn and take it in like a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> so the first day we had to stand up and teach a part of the sequence I was like, are you freaking kidding me? I did not sign up for this. <laughs> They're like, no, I you gonna... actually did. That's a teacher training here. <laughs> I was absolutely terrified, probably as terrified as I am right now doing the interview. <laughs> and I said, inhale. And that was it. I ran across the room and was like, oh my God, I can't do this. <laughs> Wow. And they're like, yes, you can. I'm like, no, I can't. So you've always been kind of shy at nature? I think more with words. I mean, not necessarily, yeah, I think shy in different ways, but I'm definitely not articulate. Uh, I don't feel like words come naturally for me. Um, it's always been... A, probably my biggest uh, weakness or uh, thing that I'm self-conscious of. And especially, you know, God has such a, such a wonderful sense of humor given that I hate speaking more than anything else, yet he's put me in this position of being a teacher. <laughs> and it's, it's um, very interesting and... What was the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Synchronistic. So you had just finished your teacher training, and at that time, did you decide that, hey, now I'm actually going to start teaching someone? Or what actually brought you the confidence to say, hey, we're going to get through this teacher training, and now I feel comfortable going out there and sharing my knowledge? Mm. Well, when I finished the teacher training, I actually didn't feel comfortable sharing my knowledge and I felt like there was still so much to learn and uh, still so much growth to be had. Um, But I, I did get a taste and I definitely knew that I wanted to teach and I knew that I'd have to start small. So I just committed to teaching at the apartment complex where I lived on the rooftop once Mm. a week, every Sunday, um, during the sunset. Wow. So you just taught to your friends? Just taught people that lived in my building. Wow. That's awesome. And from that, I got a private lesson, uh, a couple that I ended up doing private lessons with for a couple years. Uh, But they were really the first people that that I went to on a regular basis and I was able to find my voice and Mm. it was in a less intimidating environment and I committed to the practice and Patambi Joyce always, you know, practice, 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 all is coming. And 
I just knew I have to teach. Like I know I'm going to suck and I know I'm going to look horrible and I know I'm going to sound and say stupid things, but just do it. Mm-hmm. Just commit to teaching and teach as much as you possibly can. And here I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 15 years later, still teaching. Wow. That's beautiful. And the sense of, uh, getting to that point where you had come over that fear of speaking publicly, what helped you best overcome that fear to the point where you felt confident in your voice as a teacher? I think that it's a knowing. I still have insecurities and in, in about my voice and, uh, how I sound, what I'm saying, like that never, that has never gone away since day one. But it's knowing that I'm connected to something greater and that the yoga, regardless of, you know, how much we might make it about ourselves, the yoga is going to do its work and you're just a, a, a messenger. And so being a vessel, being an instrument for that, for the, the for that grace to flow through is something that I've prayed for and that's the only way I can explain it knowing that the yoga is going to do its work it's not about you um, and as much as you think you don't have to offer someone there's always somebody you know that, that doesn't know as much and there's always somebody that you can help and mm-hmm. trusting that definitely so tell me a little bit about your transformation at Core Power Yoga, because I know that you worked there for quite some time, correct? Yeah, I did. Started off teaching and then uh, then did a 50-50 where I was teaching part-time and then doing the graphic design part-time. And I was still, you know, I remember my mother saying, well, why are you going to do a yoga teacher training? How are you ever going to make a living? <laughs> And it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that people did for a living or, you know, she was worried about how I was going to maintain and mm-hmm. um, sustain myself. And I think because of that, I hesitated jumping in, um, you know, to the deep end. Like I initially when my heart was there and I was like, yeah, I want to do this. And then <laughs> I had this, oh, wait, but I got to survive too. <laughs> and how am I going to? How am I going to balance that? And so I had gotten my real estate license and did a couple of other things. I sold one house with the real estate and I was like, I hate this. Like the contracts and the paperwork, it was about the most boring, un uninteresting thing I've ever done in my life. I was like, I don't know how people do this. <laughs> I There's no way. And that was kind of the last straw. I'm like, okay, you need to follow your heart. Like as much as you may want to do something else, the, I always came back to the yoga. The yoga was always present. So no matter how, how much I tried to push yoga away, it was always, it was always there. And then after, um, after that first real estate deal, I was like, okay, you have to, you have to follow your heart. Commit fully. Mm-hmm. So there was an opportunity to manage a core power yoga in Orange County and decided to move. By um, this time, how many locations do they have? Hmm. I'm not really sure. Uh, probably 20. They had Minnesota. There were studios and multiple studios in Colorado, Minneapolis, and I think California was the third state that they um, dive, dove into. So probably around 20, hmm. I guess. You were going to the OC. Going First to time the to the OC? Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so you went from good old Denver to Denver. the OC. Wow. <laughs> How was that transition? It was a beautiful transition. I love California. It feels like home here. Uh, I love Colorado also. It's beautiful outdoors, lots of um, activities to do. Mm-hmm. Um, both have great lifestyles. Um, but I wanted to be in the middle of the yoga scene. And in Denver, they would always fly the the senior instructors or the master teachers, and they were always from 
California. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, well, why don't I just go to California if that's where the teachers are? It's where the yoga haven is, you know, Santa Monica. Welcome. That's right. Thank you. (laughs) I absolutely love it. So as you were managing this studio, what were some of the skills that you began to develop that help you now and where you are managing your own studio? Uh, I can, you know, managing for Core Power Yoga was an amazing opportunity to learn and fall on my face and make mistakes. Um, I, you know, I definitely, when I moved there, I was like, I do not have what it takes to be a manager. Like for sure. I knew that. But Trevor, the owner of Core Power saw something in me that I did not see in myself. And I was like, I have no idea why you're giving me this opportunity. But I'll take it and I'm sure I'm gonna like fail soon and but I'll I'll at least give it a shot and give it my give it my best. And oh, it was ups and downs. I worked really, really hard. Um, it was a brand new studio, so meeting people, managing teachers, uh, managing students, teaching. Mm-hmm. On top of like having really challenging conversations and then having to like turn the face and step into the room and be uh, completely zen uh, was difficult. Um, I think the balancing of the business side of yoga and then the actual teaching, they're very two, they're two completely different mindsets. And I think Core Power created a really beautiful space for me to find that balance. Mm And what would you say are those two mindsets? Because we do have a lot of listeners who are managers of studios and also owners of studios. And I think that it'd be beautiful to speak a little bit more about that mindset of having that balance between the business side and more of the uh, like the yogic teaching, like really keeping and cultivating those two different sides. Hmm. Well, it's a, you know, the real yoga happens when you step off your mat and so every day you are given an opportunity to practice what you preach um with the various students and and the desires of 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 people and expectations it's a very challenging it's a very challenging position However, uh, when you step into the yoga room, you have to turn everything off. It's like they don't care about your rough day. They don't care about the conversation you just had. You're there to serve. And the practice of dropping everything in a moment, stepping into the room, being present, I'm here to serve these people right now. you have to do it like there's no choice Mm -hmm. and I think that at the beginning when I first started teaching as many people do um, you you spend hours preparing for your class (laughs) (laughs) or maybe you teach one class a week and you spend the whole week preparing for that one class Mm And then that, that gap gets closer and closer and closer. Uh, and then managing, uh, like the gap is almost, is, is so small between the, the time you have to prep and the time you walk into the room. And the time to shift the mindset becomes um, exponentially smaller. Hmm. <laughs> But with practice, it gets easier. And I think that was one of the greatest training wheels. And I feel that no matter what type of challenging situation or conversation, if I have to teach a yoga class, I'm able to put everything on pause. Hmm. That's beautiful. That's a... I would say a developed mindset in a sense that you can go from a busy mind and then drop back into that lucid state of tranquility. 
Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. I'd say that's probably a really effective gift that's helped you in progressing on your path. Thank you. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I've witnessed it time and time again when I come to your classes, just how deeply rooted you are in your voice. And it's almost like you like evolve into this like beautiful, like, here we go. I'm here to serve you and I'm here to, <laughs> to share and mm. to, to truly be of service to the students. And I really enjoy your classes for that reason. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, so from, from this, uh, management position at core power, um, how long was it before you decided that you truly wanted to open your own studio? Well, interestingly enough, after managing um, Core Power, you know, they they grew a lot within... Exponentially, I'm sure, by the time that you were... Within the decade, wow. right. Wow, you I mean, worked we were... there for 10 years? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. 2003 to 2014. And um, so 10 years, we went from one studio to over almost 100 studios in 10 years. They were doing it. Exponential <laughs> growth. That's Exponential awesome. Exponential growth. And when you grow at that rapid pace, um, you have to have structure in place. And structure, and you need to have, um, you know, formats, and you need to have... A process. A process for it to all work. And I totally get that. But the more core power grew, the less uh, creative I felt. Um, I, you know, there were things that I was able to implement into the teacher trainings that were taken out because they wanted somebody to have the same experience, whether they were in Minneapolis or California or Chicago. Yeah. Um, you know, they could bounce into a teacher training and, and have it all be one experience. And Mm -hmm. that totally makes sense. At the same time, I was learning a lot of, uh, philosophy and Sanskrit and studying deeply the Yoga Sutras and this was stuff that they couldn't necessarily replicate so these things were being taken out and I felt um, I felt like this that there needed to be an outlet for all of for me to share what I was learning mm-hmm. and for many years core power was that outlet and then it just got to a point where finding finding another avenue for for me to express was um it just came to a tipping point and i wasn't really planning on it in fact after managing core power yoga i realized that i didn't want to open a studio (laughs) it's like i don't want to do this at all you kidding me yeah you're like oh I can see how difficult this is. Maybe <laughs> yeah. I'm all good on all that magic. And they have teams of people, you know, they have a team of marketing and they have a team of finance and they have a team of designers and a team on the retail. Mm-hmm. And I was just a manager. <laughs> and it was a lot of work. Yeah. So I I had come to the realization that no, I don't actually want to open a yoga studio, although that was my original intention. And then I went back to teaching full-time just for about six months. And in that time, I had the realization that, yes, I do want to open a yoga studio. I just don't want to do it in a corporate environment. Mm-hmm. You wanted to do it with your own voice and have your own unique spin on it. Absolutely. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wasn't, yeah, and I wasn't really looking and but it all fell into place within two months it was like okay this opportunity opened up and it just like a puzzle just like we're dominoes it just wow so you came into now owning your own yoga studio which is veda yoga right Veda yoga yes wow and how long have you guys been around now <laughs> it'll be two years in september congratulations thank you definitely <laughs> so what would you say really brings people to your studio well, we have a very open arms, uh, cheerful, friendly, welcome environment. It's kind of like the cheers of yoga when <laughs> Norm walks in. Hey, Norm! It's yeah. the place where everybody knows your name. <laughs> so we're kind of that place. You walk in, it's very homey. It's a boutique, more of a boutique studio. Um, it's 
not pretentious. Everyone's there. Um, it's just be in their practice and, and we're very respectful and um, encourage people to follow their intuition. Uh, we're there to serve as guides, but um, yeah, I think creating an environment where people feel welcome is what we do best. That's beautiful. I, I definitely feel that community vibe whenever I go and it was so gorgeous being there the other day for the kirtan that you had with Govindas. <laughs> and like knowing Govindas as well, it's so awesome to see you two collaborate in such a way that, you know, you bring him to your studio, you go to his studio. It's like this very communal based way of sharing that knowledge and really being able to mm. experience that sense of community in the actual sangha like mm. in the actual like learning of these practices mm -hmm. so i commend you for creating that type of space that really brings the community yeah. together thank you very much yeah seriously who were some of the most influential teachers to you as you <laughs> continue to blossom on your path some of my most influential teachers are uh dave port well starting in order jim uh dave porter alana kaivalya I've heard of her. Jiva Mukti. She's yeah. the author of Yoga or Yoga Asana. Yeah. Of Yoga Asanas. Mm -hmm. uh, Dana Julius with Vinny Yoga. Um, Amy Ippolati with um, Anusara. Mm -hmm. Saul David Ray. Holistic Healing. Um, Govindas. Bhakti Yoga. Ashley Turner, the Yoga of Psychology. Mm hmm was my most recent uh, training and uh, and everyone and all my students yeah you know every ex I try to see the guru within within everyone you know everyone's here to teach us something and to really look for it and to be mindful and you never know where you're gonna run into somebody or you may have an expectation and Every day I meet someone, I say, what is this person here to teach me? It's a very good way of looking at it. Mm. So as a, a yogi, it's, you know, super beautiful to know where yoga came from. Have you ever taken a trip to India? Mm, yes, I've been to India a few times. Uh, the first time I went to an ashram in South India, that's actually where I received the name Kumudini, Manitya Kumudini is the full name. Hmm, and what does it mean? Manitya, Nitya means eternal, and Kumudini means white night lotus. Hmm. So I had spent a few weeks at the ashram and came back to Laguna Beach and started going to the Hare Krishna temple. And Saul David Ray was one of my teachers at the time, and I asked him if he knew anybody who could teach me how to play the harmonium and he recommended that one of the Hare Krishna kids could teach me mm. <laughs> and I as I was driving home I'm like I think I just moved down the street from a Krishna temple and so the very next morning I went in and I felt like a pirate that just discovered a treasure chest <laughs> there were paintings on the walls of yogis meditating there was the cycle of life birth death um, it was like a far out place and there were Sanskrit, there were mantras, they had a Bhagavad Gita class every Friday. And, and this is in Laguna? This is in Laguna Beach. Wow. Which temple is that? Um, the It's called the Laguna Beach Temple. It's a <laughs> Hare Krishna temple I'll right on Legion and PCH. Wow. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. It's amazing. And for our <laughs> listeners who are not that familiar with Hare Krishna and the movement, can you give us a little bit more information on what it is? Uh, so the Hare Krishna movement was a movement brought to the West by a spiritual teacher named Srila Prabhupada. And Srila Prabhupada was born in Calcutta. And he was given instructions by his guru to translate sacred Indian texts into English and to bring them to the West. And so... When he was in his 70s, he took a cargo ship and he suffered two heart attacks on the way. He was completely penniless, but
but he had one set of the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is one of our sacred texts. And that's all he had when he came to America. Um, within five years, he had 108 temples all around the world. Wow. Um, and, and was it just through his divine devotion to Krishna and his teachings? Do you think is that what kind of spread the the awareness of Hare Krishna or is it just that the the teachings themselves are so potent? I think it's a combination of both. Um, the teachings obviously are, are are timeless and uh, and Srila Prabhupada was an empowered being and you look at all of the documentaries that they play today of him speaking and, and the way that he impacted people, it's just on a, on a global scale. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, every culture, every age, every race, every gender, it didn't matter who you were. Everyone was affected by Srila Prabhupada. Mm-hmm. And he did some, you know, he had done amazing things. He was the first person to really successfully, um, you know, translate deeply and go into uh, the philosophy of, of the Vedantas, which have gotten lost and destroyed a lot. Mm-hmm. Over years. I mean, that, that's ancient text. And I feel like the oral tradition of Sanskrit and then the, the written tradition are so, so vastly um, accepted, but at the same time, not as deeply understood. Mm-hmm. And Srila Prabhupada took the time and the effort to break down every single verse and provide an in-depth commentary so that you could not mistake, you could not speculate what the verses were trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, more, more verses and, and commentary pr- provided by Srila Prabhupada than any other person on the planet. Wow. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even know he was that. Yeah. I, I have his version of the Bhagavad Gita and a few of his other writings and I truly do appreciate them, but I didn't know that he wrote the most. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's absolutely amazing. (laughs) And after his seventies. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of, yeah. And then a lot of the books they would, um, record. Um, so he didn't actually sit down and write them, but they would be recorded lectures. He would lecture on each verse and then they would um, transcribe mm. the lectures and put them into writing. That's awesome. So so from the teachings of the Hare Krishna movement, um, you decided to go to India for your first time. Uh, tell me more about your experience in India and some of the most influential places that you've been there that have really helped you on your path. Um, well, the second, so I was introduced to the Hare Krishna movement just after, uh, I came back from India the first time. Oh, okay. And, and what, what ashram did you go to there and Mm. why? What draw you? No reason in particular? (laughs) I had met, uh, I had met a guru in, it was my first introduction to Hinduism and the guru of that tradition, his name was Paramahamsa Nityananda. And he had a program called Inner Awakenings. And I went to the temple in Montclair. And it was the first time seeing deities. And I was very drawn to the, to the tradition. So I went to India to be with this guru. Um, and then after a few months, however, when I came back to America, um, there was a fall down. And he was uh, caught on tape. Um, there was a scandal. And, um, and when the guru falls down, you're no longer, um, required to, um, follow his teachings, follow his teachings. So I had already been going to the temple in Laguna beach and, and found my teacher Tukaram Prabhu, uh, who imparted more knowledge to me in a one hour Bhagavad Gita lecture than I had learned, you know, the first three weeks in India. Wow. Um, Just immediately, you could feel that, that lineage, that, that sense of pure nature. Yeah. Truth bombs just exploding (laughs) in my heart and (laughs) in my mind. 
that it was undeniable. It was like a sledgehammer of truth, just like, boom. (laughs) Everything he said, like, you know, every lecture I went to, and I I was thinking, oh, he's going to start repeating the same thing. But every single lecture, whatever he spoke about was directly related to me and whatever I was going going through in my life and just spoke to me in that heavy, heavy way Hmm. that it was undeniable that these teachings carried some weight and some truth um, that aligned with my own life. That's beautiful. And and from that experience, what made you decide to go back to India again? Go back to India. Then the second time, uh, I was invited to join a pilgrimage. Uh, uh, Raghunath, who is a teacher in New York, very famous uh, bhakti yogi. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Raghunath is one of my all-star favorite yoga teachers on the planet. He's got a crazy asana practice. He's got bhakti. He's a fantastic storyteller. You could just listen to him all the time, talking, uh, you know, describing the leelas in such a, a applicable and practical way. Uh, and a great musician, Murdanga, Harmonium, Kartals, um, and a singer. So he's very entertaining. And he led a group of about 20 of us in, in India. And we started at Radhana Swami's temple in Chaupati for the flower festival. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't make it to the flower festival. I arrived about six hours late. <laughs> but... Um, it's an amazing, beautiful festival where they have thousands and thousands of pounds of petals and they just throw them all over the deities and into the temple room. And uh, <laughs> Sounds like a very fragrant experience. A fragrant experience. <laughs> <laughs> Tantalizing of all senses. So though I wasn't there, I was able to, to uh, bask in the, in the fragrance the day after. And um, the temple there was really beautiful seeing the devotees in Mumbai with such pure hearts and respect for each other uh, the quality of mm, the service that they provide and 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 the kindness of heart just emanates mm. and you feel it everywhere around you and being in the temple there was an incredible experience. We shortly went to uh, the Eco Farm, which is a sustainable living farm. They have cows that will never be killed. They all have a name. They're treated with love. Uh, they milk and all the farming actually done on the farm goes into the sustainable living project. Mm. Uh, all the bricks that are made from the housing are hand pressed. Wow. <laughs> Cow dung, patties, mm-hmm. and uh, even the fertilizing or the the sewage system goes to fertilize the plants. So it's a it's a complete eco farm. It's a complete eco farm, and they've won uh, many awards. For, for this cutting edge um, project. It's like so cutting edge technology yet and still it's so <laughs> it's, grounded in nature. Right? You know? Yeah, we take cow dung and we you know, feed the plants and make our homes and very simple life. Srila Prabhupada said, high thinking, simple living. Mm, I like that one a lot. <laughs> so this is one of Radhana Swami's efforts in in fulfilling Srila Prabhupada's mission of of sustainable living. Mm -hmm. This is really the way of the future. High living. Simple. High 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 thinking. thinking, Simple living. Simple living. (laughs) I almost got it backwards there. (laughs) (laughs) So from your time in India, what would you say to our listeners is the importance of going on in a trip to India to really see the, the lineage and the roots of yoga. I think that the motherland has something very sacred. Um, I know that people who go to India tend to either love it or hate it. Um, 
But if you can go, not with material eyes, but spiritual eyes, and see the place where this beautiful tradition and this beautiful philosophy, you know, which has been hammered on for centuries, but this is still the place of origin, it's still the roots. And so sometimes it might be hard to see through some of the... Mm, Delusion or the soot. The or, illusion. Yeah. Mm. But it's there. And even if you don't feel it, it's there. And you'll be affected by it. And I think that if you have an interest in yoga, it's always good. If you have an interest in anything, it's important to go back to the roots. Where did it come from? And what you'll find there will be different for everyone, I'm sure. <laughs> How excited are you about our upcoming retreat to India? <laughs> I am beyond excited. This will be different this in than any other trip that I have taken um, in the sense that we'll be visiting some really sacred and and holy places captured. I think more what excites me more than anything is that it's going to be filmed for a documentary for people to to learn from and to be able to share this magic with the entire world is probably one of the most exciting things I've ever done in my entire life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so much to learn about India. There's so much and not everybody can afford to take a trip or go on a retreat. Um, but with media these days and the world that we live in is so fantastic that we might not be able to have the full experience, but we'll be able to get the messages and we'll be able to inspire people through a medium that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Totally. I, I think that's honestly why I'm most excited too, is that <laughs> not only will we be able to actually experience these places firsthand, and I know this is going to be my first trip to India, and I'm just looking forward to being fully immersed in the culture, because mm. the fact of the matter is that, you know, here it's so beautiful to be in a community of yogis, but there, I think that what I'm really looking forward to is just being able to see how seriously yoga is taken as a daily practice Mm. and as something that's integral to life Mm. because, um, although here it's popular and it's, uh, something that's accessible, I think that people see it more so as a fitness than as a, a way of living. Mm-hmm. And I think that seeing the difference in perspective and seeing how others live their yoga mm-hmm. is going to be really exciting for me. Well, it's interesting. I heard that more people are practicing yoga in America than any other place, at least yoga asana. Mm. More people are practicing yoga asana in America than there are in India. <laughs> hey, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. America definitely takes everything and puts it to the nth. You know, the end power. So I I wouldn't be surprised. I'm sure we drink more coffee than Colombians and, you know, eat more Chinese food than the Chinese. (laughs) It's so interesting. But yeah, the practice there is more, uh, it has a different form. It's still yoga, but it has a different expression. Mm -hmm. Well, that's beautifully put. So can we. I would really love it if you could give our listeners three golden nuggets for finding their passion and living their truth. Mm. Wow, that's such a good question. The first one would be to have the courage to follow your heart. And sometimes 
we think we don't know what we're supposed to do, but our intuition always knows. And our yoga practice helps us to take away the distractions. Usually when you walk into a yoga room with a question or an uncertainty, by the time you're in Shavasana, you have the answer. And so stick with your practice, have the courage to follow your heart, and don't worry too much about what other people think. Mm. One of my other teachers, her name is Carolyn Miss, and she talks about archetypes. And the archetypes all have a shadow and a light side. And the four archetypes that exist within every human being, doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, Mm -hmm. the child, the victim, the saboteur, and the prostitute. Mm. So don't sell yourself, your ideas, your beliefs, your time, you know, be, be authentic to who you are. Don't sell yourself. Don't sabotage yourself. Don't become a victim. Don't be a child. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, when it comes to like, um, some, like when it comes to, so the light and the shadow side. So I'm talking about the, the shadow side of the child. Hmm. Right? I don't want to. Uh, like a temper tantrum. Yeah. Like, go follow your heart. Uh, I don't want to. Like, don't be a child. Like, um, yeah. You have to live up to what you are supposed to do. You've got a responsibility. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you have to step out of that. When it comes to following your heart, you can't be a child. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, you know, have, have the courage. And then... Give us a third and final golden nugget. Third and final golden nugget. Remember who you are. We got this body, but it's just a vehicle. It's not who you are. And we live in a material world where we're we're collecting all this stuff. My stuff. My phone. My bag. My house. My car. My job. And we collect all these mys and we create an I. We start identifying with all this stuff. And the more you attach yourself to all the stuff you get, you're going to suffer when it's gone. Who you are is a pure, eternal spirit soul. You are not the things of this temporary, material world. You are beyond the body, you are beyond the mind. And this wisdom comes from India. Come to the motherland and hear her song for yourself. Wow. Tapped in on that one. (laughs) Seriously, Kumi, that was absolutely amazing. And our listeners are greater for your knowledge, for your vulnerability, and for the wisdom that you've shared with us here today. I am really excited on going on this amazing experience to India with you (laughs) and all the beautiful people who we will cultivate this experience with. And it's been an absolute honor having you here on the Yoga Revealed podcast today. Thank you so much, Andrew. It was so fun. I really Mm. appreciate you and our time together. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Namaste. (laughs) Namaste. Thank you for tuning into the Yoga Revealed podcast. We truly appreciate your listenership. You guys are the reason that we are around and that we continue to lead this path of revealing yoga. And you can learn more about Kumi Yogini and her trainings worldwide at kumiyogini.com. Make sure to check out her beautiful studio in Culver City, California at vedayogacenter.com. And don't miss out on this amazing adventure that we're going on in February. Check out more details at yoga, the number four, change.co. Thank you, thank you, thank you 
all for listening. We truly appreciate you. Continue to keep giving us those five-star reviews on iTunes. They are totally showing that the yoga community is strong. And we appreciate you for doing the amazing things that you do in your community and spreading the light. Continue to shine bright. Blessings indeed. Peace. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.